Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome to Unbothered with Josh Morani, your host today. I'm going to be talking about the NFL Top 100 list. Yes, last week I talked about the players 100 through 50 that the players have voted on yesterday. 50 to 20 came out, so I'm going to react to that list. Then what are some of my big week two preseason takeaways? What I'm looking forward to most this NFL season, Kevin Durant news, Mets-Yankees, Tour Championship, all that good stuff on today's show. But let's get started with the bombshell drop from Saturday night's uh, fight, UFC uh, 278. And one of the highlights of UFC 278 was not the surprising knockout Leon Edwards against Kamaru Ujman, but they also featured an alternate Gronk cast where Gronk and his family were kind of commentating, watching the fights. Dana White was on there as well. And a bombshell piece of news dropped between Gronk and um, uh, Dana White where, you know, they talked about, you know, football and, you know, playing for the Raiders, you know, was it ever a possibility back in 2020 when Tom was a free agent uh, and Gronk worked Dana and got him to spill? And Dana said, Dana White, the UFC commissioner, said that they had deals in place for Tom Brady to come to the Las Vegas Raiders. Las Vegas Raiders before he joined uh, Tampa Bay. Tom Brady was looking for houses there. Uh, Gronk eventually, you know, came out of retirement. He would have joined Tom in Las Vegas. However, last minute, Dana White said John Gruden blew up the deal uh, and kind of soured the relationship between him and Dana White. Big, big news there that Tom Brady could have gone to the Raiders. This also confirms that, you know, the guy who Tom Brady has referred to on occasions of sticking to the current quarterback over him, one of those guys was Derek Carr. Now, it makes sense, you know, John Gruden, big personality. Tom Brady, also a big personality. Tom likes to do things his way. We see it in Tampa, you know, but we've also seen it with the Patriots, him and his uh, body coach, Alex Guerrero, but also, you know, taking days off of practice, you know, being with his family, stuff he has earned, um, you know, for being a now seven-time Super Bowl champion, but would have been a six-time Super Bowl champion if he signed with the Raiders. So he would have had, you know, him there, but, you know, add that to the John Gruden fiasco stint with the Las Vegas Raiders because they absolutely would have been contenders with Tom Brady and Gronk. You know, did they have the best roster? No, but that season, the following season, they were 8-8. Eight and eight. You bring in Tom Brady and Gronk, you have a true two-headed monster there with Darren Waller and Gronk. Uh, your wide receivers are Nelson, 
were Nelson Aguilar and Henry Ruggs, a lot to be desired. Uh, but I believe, you know, they pull a trade off, they get a wide receiver, and they would have been a viable contender in the AFC. That would have, you know, dramatically shifted powers there. Uh, but, you know, add that as another strike on Gruden's resume. Turning down Tom Brady to stick with Derek Carr. You know, John Gruden was always the biggest, you know, the biggest believer in Derek Carr. Um, and Derek Carr was somebody who always backed John Gruden. So it makes sense that nothing came out of this. Uh, but, you know, in an alternate universe there somewhere, out there somewhere, what if Tom Brady and Gronkowski joined the Las Vegas Raiders instead of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Next up, Baker Mayfield named the starting quarterback of the Carolina Panthers over the one Sam Darnold, beat him out in training camp, and Baker... It's just he's just a better quarterback. I agree a hundred percent with this decision. If Matt Rule wants to keep his job head coach there of the Panthers, he made the right decision because Baker is so much better than Sam Darnold. Entered their career at the same time uh, in the twenty twenty uh, or twenty eighteen draft. They played in the league the same amount of time. Baker with the Browns, Sam Darnold with the Jets. In that time, Baker has a higher completion percentage, 62% to Sam Darnold's 60%. Uh, Baker Mayfield has thrown 14,000 yards to Sam Darnold's 10,000. And Baker has a whopping 92 touchdowns compared to Sam Darnold's 54. Almost double there. Almost double. Sam Darnold, or Baker Mayfield, also has a winning record and playoff win. And I'm sorry, not a winning record, but he has one winning season and a playoff one. Sam Darnold has neither. This was clearly the better choice here that they're going with Baker. Baker is much more of a competitor, much more of a dog, a leader, someone who can rally the troops where Sam Darnold uh, is more mellow, not in command of the offense. And when you're the quarterback, you need to be in command of the offense. Steve Smith said it best. Uh, Steve Smith, uh, senior, great wide receiver, former, you know, Carolina Panther. And he said, Sam Darnold puts you to sleep. I can't agree more with that. Uh, not just the way he speaks, but also his play on the field. It's boring. It's not good. It's not winning football. You can win football games with Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield has proven he can win football games. Sam Darnold has not proved he can win football games. So it's definitely the right choice to start Baker in this situation. I think it's a good move, especially come week one now, uh, because we have Baker Mayfield playing his former team in the Cleveland Browns. That'll be exciting to watch. Now moving on to the NFL top 100 list. Uh, another, you know, 
More surprises and shockers. Again, this is all voted by the players. So the players decide this list. And again, very surprised by it. One of the bigger surprising ones was Dak Prescott at 44, which means that he is higher than both Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson, uh, which to me is an absolute joke. I would rather have Kyler and Russell Wilson over Dak Prescott. Uh, I think there's some cowboy bias here for his polls. Uh, but, you know, Dak Prescott, you know, I think has this higher ranking because he's a more likable player. Doesn't talk, doesn't say much, has a sleep number commercial, uh, is the quarterback for America's team, the Dallas Cowboys, and, you know, he always tends to say the right things, always practice, whereas Kyler, you know, is a bit odd, his personality, you know, and Russell Wilson also very religious, isn't for everybody. So they throw Dak Prescott in here. And to me, Dak Prescott is an average quarterback. He's average. Uh, You know, doesn't do anything special on the field. Doesn't, you know, have that factor like Russell Wilson, who is one of, you know, the best deep balls in the game, uh, throwing the football, but also, you know, his leadership, uh, his comeback victories, um, the Super Bowl. Uh, Russell Wilson as a player, I'd much rather have been Dak Prescott. I put Russell Wilson in the near elite category, and I put Dak Prescott in the near mediocre category. And Kyler Murray somewhere in between those two. Um, both of them are more roller coaster rides, but I would rather have Kyler Murray than uh, Dak Prescott, uh, to me, he's shiftier. Um, I think he throws a better ball as well than Dak Prescott. Uh, you know, has to work on his intangibles as well. Uh, but the fact that Dak Prescott's, you know, 10, 20 higher points than both those guys in the rankings, uh, it definitely shocked me. Another one where my you know, jaw dropped to the floor when I saw this ranking was when I saw Trevon Diggs higher than Jamar Chase. Um, Almost had a heart attack and passed out. Uh, This was something I couldn't believe. Trevon Diggs at 23, Jamar Chase at 24. Now, in what universe is Trevon Diggs better at his position than Jamar Chase is at his position. Not even in the same ballpark. Trevon Diggs had so much hype this year, and you know, so did Jamar Chase, but Trevon Diggs, not worth that hype. Uh, I could not believe this one at all, that he was higher than J.C. Jackson and a lot of other corners on this list, just in general. Just in general. Uh, that he was this high. I couldn't believe it. Uh, but to put him above Jamar Chase was is sickening. Uh, that he's a spot ahead of Jamar Chase. And it shouldn't even be that close. Uh, 
you know, I can make the argument that Nick Bosa, his position is better. Stephon Diggs, uh, you know, Mark Andrews as well uh, should be higher up there. So to me, it's an ultimate joke. Uh, and, you know, Jamar Chase was somebody who won, you know, in his first year last year was a rookie, rookie of the year, first team or second team all pro, pro bowler. 1,400 yards on 81 receptions, 128 targets. You know, fantastic year. Compare that to Trevon Diggs. Trevon Diggs was all pro last year. 11 interceptions, led the league, had two touchdowns. But that doesn't tell the full story. Why did he have 11 interceptions? When we look at great cornerbacks, Deion Sanders, uh, Richard Sherman, Darrell Revis, you know, they'd have five to eight interceptions. Why? Because they don't get thrown to that much. So when you don't get thrown to that much, you're not going to have a ton of interceptions. Why did they constantly pick on Trevon Diggs, still target him when he had 11 interceptions? Well, because he's a ball hawk. And because of that, he tends to jump routes. Isn't really that good at his position at all. Very overrated. And that's why he was targeted 103 times, kind of like a wide receiver. You know, as a cornerback, he was targeted 103 times. Compare that to some of the greats. Richard Sherman one year, 39 targets. 39. Him, 103, allowed 54 completions. Completion percentage of 52, not bad. But he allowed 907 yards in uh, total for this past season, 907 yards, almost a thousand yards. He's given up in pass coverage because he's not that good. Whereas, like I said, but Richard Sherman's Darrell Reeves allowed 300 less, 907 yards, yards per completion, 16.8. First down, you target him, you can get the completion first down, uh, you know, again, overrated at best. But everybody fell in love with him this season. Why? Because of those 11 interceptions. But let's face the facts. He's not that good. 907 yards allowed. Had 10 missed tackles, which when you factor that into his made tackles at around uh, I think 60 was around there. Missed tackle percentage, 16%. 16. Uh, again, his mechanics aren't good. He's not an elite corner, whereas Jamar Chase is an elite level wide receiver. So that is an ultimate joke. Another one I was very surprised at, Matthew Stafford. Last year wasn't even in the top 100. He jumped all the way to 27. 27. To me, that's a bit high, but it recognizes this one fact. That when you win a Super Bowl, you're more recognized, you know, no matter what. Do I think he should be 27? No. I like Justin Herbert more better as a quarterback. He's 40. Uh, again, Matthew Stafford's there at 27. Going from unranked to 27, that's a pretty big leap. Uh, but props to you. 
Uh, I'm still happy Joe Burrow is higher, should be, and he's 21. The rest of it will be revealed in the following weeks, but that's just my reaction to the NFL top 100 players. Now time for my week two preseason takeaways. Number one, Ravens win 22 straight. 22 straight preseason wins. They continued their streak yesterday uh, against the Arizona Cardinals. We're up 24-3. Uh, held off their attack and won 24-17. to Tyler Huntley, I thought, was really getting great. One in completion. Uh, played good. Isaiah Likely, eight receptions, 100 yards, one touchdown from a tight end. Very productive. Uh, again, like I said, Ravens want to win these games. It definitely shows it well that, you know, they're playing harder than the other team. You know, Arizona finally picked it up there at the end where uh, they were just getting blown out. But Baltimore, you know, and, you know, Greg Olson said quite a bit during the broadcast that, you know, him and other players on the Ravens think that Tyler Huntley could be a starter on another NFL team. So let's go down the list, you know. We've seen a lot from Tyler Huntley last year. He's looked great in preseason. So what teams could he realistically start for? Buffalo Bills? No Josh Allen's there. I'm going to throw out the whole AFC East. Uh, you know, Zach Wilson. Still haven't seen a ton from him, so I'm going to leave him out. But everybody else in the AFC East, no. AFC North? I'm going to include Deshaun Watson. I'm going to say no. Uh... I think you can throw a coin between Tyler Huntley and the Mitch Trubisky and the Steelers. Argument could be made. AFC South. Houston? Yes, I believe Tyler Huntley could be the starter there in Houston. Get the start over Davis Mills. Uh, some people are high on Davis Mills. They like him. Uh, think he can be a legitimate starter in this league. I'm not high on him, so I'll give you Houston. AFC West? Nope, not a chance. NFC East, I'll go with the New York Giants. Uh, I don't think Daniel Jones is going to have a breakout year. We were looking for that last year. He's just not going to have a breakout year. Disaster Daniel is not going to have a breakout year. Uh, Tyler Huntley, to me, would be the clear starter on that team above him, above Tyrod Taylor. I like him starting there. NFC North, again, nobody. NFC South, I'd go with the Falcons. I believe he could be a true starter on the Falcons above Desmond Ritter and Marcus Mariota. Again, you want to win more games. I think Tyler Huntley would be a very good option. Same with the New Orleans Saints. Uh, I'm not high on Jameis Winston uh, really at all. So I would take Tyler Huntley there, especially with those weapons. Um, Tyler Huntley's a good thrower of a football. I could see him playing there. And last but not least, the Seattle Seahawks. Tyler Huntley is also a player I could see a start for Seattle. Right now it's Drew Locke, Geno Smith. Uh, to me, the worst quarterback situation in the NFL. So, yes, Tyler Huntley would be an upgrade there over their current options. Next preseason takeaway, the Dallas Cowboys. 
I don't talk about the Dallas Cowboys that often as much as a lot of the other media. Why? Simply put, they're overrated. But a lot of hype has been around Kevante Turpin, former USFL star, uh, who has returned a couple of touchdowns, you know, a punt return touchdown, a kick return touchdown to the house in his preseason games. A lot of hype going into one player, Kevante Turpin. But this is exactly what the Cowboys are. They're all sizzle. Kevante Turpin, his big play, uh, Trevon Diggs. But when you do a deeper dive into the Cowboys, it's all sizzle. And it doesn't last. That's the thing with sizzle is, you know, you get a sizzling entree at a restaurant, like sizzling fajitas. It lasts for like five seconds. Ten seconds at most, and then it dissipates. So it's cool for such a short amount of time that, you know, it's just in effect. It's not really that big. It's just the name sizzling. Ooh, let me get that. That's cool. Uh, But does it, you know, enhance the taste of the meal? No, not really. Not at all. That's what the Cowboys are. They're all sizzle. They don't last. They don't play good football. They'll have a play here or there. A Trevon Diggs pick six. A punt return for a touchdown. A Dak Prescott to C.D. Lamb throw to make the highlight reels. But in the end, are they going to be good? Are those plays going to make or break their season? No. No, they're not. Because they're not a good team. I don't care if they're valued now at $8 billion that Forbes just released as the most valuable franchise, they can ride the Dallas Cowboy moniker, the brand, America's team, but that doesn't make up for the fact that they're a pathetic organization. And they've been pathetic for quite some time, and yet people still tune in, turn on their TVs to watch the Dallas Cowboys. It's quite pathetic. Dallas Cowboy fans, you know, the every year is our year mantra, it's tiring. It is. Uh, you know, this year's different. This year's our year. Just delusional. Pure delusion. Again, the Cowboys' success isn't going to last long. They won their division last year. Haven't been a repeat division champion in the NFC East for 17 years. And when you look at their schedule, they're starting off 0 2. They're losing to Tampa Bay. Then they play Cincinnati. They're losing that game. So there you have a start off in an 0-2 hole. Win a couple of games within your division. 2-2. Then you play the Rams in L.A. Probably get decimated there. Eagles, Sunday night, that could go either way. It's a coin toss game. Lions, Bears, you get some wins. But then you play the Packers, Vikings, could be an L. Giants and the Colts, another L. You know, then you finish easy, but Texans, Jaguars, Eagles again. Titans, who knows, Commanders. So, again, Cowboys, you're looking at an 8-9, and 9-8 season. Nothing special. Cowboys aren't special. They haven't been for quite some time. Cowboys are all sizzle. Next preseason takeaway. Josh Allen is still Josh Allen. And looks really good. You know, played his first drive and looks fantastic. 
three for three, 45 yards, a touchdown, perfect passer rating on that one drive. And it was a fantastic drive. Uh, pressure from the inside, he kind of spun around in the pocket, threw a strike to Gabriel Davis, uh, and just set the tone for the Buffalo Bills. They're 7-3, to three, and then they went 42-15. to 15. The Buffalo Bills are a really good football team from top to bottom. I'm excited to see them last year. It was nice to see Josh Allen play a drive, and that drive was flawless. Him, Gabriel Davis, Stephon Diggs, all on the same page. Uh, that's what I'm excited to see. Another preseason takeaway, Patrick Mahomes is still good. He's still that guy. An impressive sidearm throw that led to a touchdown, uh, connected with Fordson, and, you know, they don't have that great receiving threat, you know, burning the top off, you know, like Tyreek Hill. But to me, this is going to be still a very sound football team uh, with Travis Kelsey, with Marquez Valdez-Scantley, who came over from the Packers to the Kansas City Chiefs, drafted Sky Moore, Juju Smith-Schuster. They have a strong wide receiver core, not a true wide receiver one, but they are a very good football team still. My last preseason takeaway, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and left guard Eric Stenny, who tore his ACL, which is something that should not have happened. You know, you're all, when you're down offensive lineman already, uh, when you look at, you know, Hainsey, who had a cramping issue, uh, your starting center, Ryan Jensen, is out. You know, your left guard retired earlier this year. So Aaron Stenny has been, you know, to me, the front runner to win this job. So to play him in the preseason, have him tear his ACL, that's not good news. Uh, I can't handle any more preseason injuries for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Like I said, no starters should be playing, should be practicing while Tom Brady was off. They should have given all of them. So the fact that, you know, they're still dropping like flies, it's very concerning to me uh, to their chances, especially on the offensive line uh, this close to the season when we're, you know, 10 days away from starting the NFL season, you know, two weeks for them since they don't play Thursday night. But injuries need to stop. Next up, Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson reportedly offered a deal worth more than Kyler Murray that would make him the second highest paid quarterback in NFL history. However, he has not taken the deal because it is not fully guaranteed and he wants a fully guaranteed contract, much like that of Deshaun Watson. Now, if I am uh, Lamar Jackson, I'm taking this deal. If they are worth, if they are giving me money to make me the second highest paid quarterback, if I'm getting 48, 49 million a year with incentives, who cares about the guarantee? Now it's still going to be a high guarantee. It'll be a higher guarantee than Kyler Murray. So his guarantees will be right up there with Aaron Rodgers and Deshaun Watson. And he should take that deal. Uh, he should take it. I'm going to advise him right now not to bet on yourself. 
Sometimes bets on yourself pay off. You look at Aaron Judge right now in baseball, uh, declined a couple contract offers, took the one-year deal, bet on himself, and it's paying off so far. But sometimes you bet on yourself and it doesn't work out. Look at an example of a Dennis Schroeder for the NBA, declined the $100 million deal with the Lakers midseason, wanted more, didn't play well. Only gets a one-year $5 million deal. Don't bet on yourself. Don't risk it, Lamar. If I were you, accept the deal. Uh, to be the second-highest-paid quarterback, you know, in NFL history, already going to get a ton of guaranteed money. You're going to get a huge signing bonus as well. Take the money. Be smart. Take the deal. Because who knows if you'll get another contract like that again. And then if you bet on yourself, and you get injured again or have more of a down season, the record's not well, you're not getting that same contract offer next year. That's how the NFL owners work. Did if you play hardball with them, you don't accept your deals, you bet on yourself, and you don't perform well, you're not getting that same contract. You're just not. And who knows if you get that contract anywhere else, but because this offense is tailor made for you. It's a Lamar Jackson offense. He wouldn't be a good fit in the Chiefs with the Patrick Mahomes offense, or he couldn't replace Tom Brady in their current offense. No. Take the deal. Don't bet on yourself. Don't do it. Next, tonight is the final week two preseason game on ESPN. It's the Atlanta Falcons and the New York Jets. Uh, I'm going to watch it since it's ESPN. No rooting interest. Uh, Drake London's not playing the rest of the preseason due to his little knee injury. But I'm still going to take the Falcons to win this game. Zach Wilson not playing uh, due to his meniscus that he's recovering from. Should be a sloppy game, but in the end, I'm going to pick the Falcons to win this game. Now I'm going to break down. What I am most looking forward to this NFL season. And there's about 10 things I'm really looking forward to this season. Uh, I could probably go on a lot more. But these are just 10 things. One, opening night. Oh, Thursday night football. Opening night. Uh I've been counting down the days till that I've got my jersey ready for a game. Josh Allen. Need to get a table, too, for Bills Mafia. But I'm looking forward to that game. But, you know, you know, raise the banner, you know, that night. Get their rings, everything. Or they've already got their rings. But, you know, it's going to be their Super Bowl celebration beforehand. Celebrating the Los Angeles Rams. And you've got the big, bad Bills come into play, who I feel should have been in the Super Bowl last year if they win the coin toss. This is a potential Super Bowl matchup. But you've got two of the best quarterbacks in the game going at it. Josh Allen, Matthew Stafford, Tredavious White for the Bills is back. You know, does he get the ISO matchup with Cooper Cup? How do defenses now adjust to him? And then you also got Von Miller, 
who just won his Super Bowl at the Rams, now coming back to try to sack Matthew Stafford. Opening night. There we go. No bigger game. Two of the best teams in the league going at it Thursday night. Bills, Rams. I'm excited. Another thing. AFC West matchups. AFC West, it's loaded. It's loaded at the quarterback position. Derek Carr, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert. It's loaded at the skills positions. Devontae Adams, uh, Javante Williams, Jerry Judy, uh, Travis Kelsey, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler. And teams are loaded on defense. Max Crosby, Chandler Jones, uh, Bradley Chubb, Randy Gregory, Pat Sertan, uh, Justin Reed, Chris Jones, J.C. Jackson, uh, Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack. So much talent in one division. I'm excited for every AFC West matchup there is. All of them are going to be fantastic. All of them mean so much because this division is going to be so good. Week one, we get to see one of them. We get the Raiders-Chargers, uh, which is the rematch of the Week 18 game. The Raiders won to get into the playoffs. Again, all those matchups, all those games, twice a year, it's going to be exciting. Another thing, Russell's return to Seattle also happens to be Week 1. Uh Pete Carroll has said recently that coaching against Russ won't be any different. Uh, You know, a little shot there. You know, last year we saw Tom Brady's return to New England. It was very emotional, sloppy play. Um, I think it might be a little similar, uh, but not not quite as similar uh, in the emotional standpoint because Tom Brady was someone who was there 20 years, won six Super Bowls. Yes, Russell Wilson was there for 10 years, won a Super Bowl. To me, it won't mean as much, but it will still be emotional for him because the fans love him. He did so much in the community. Uh, So I think, you know, the first quarter, it might be, you know, a little dull from Russell Wilson, but then he'll pick it up. And I expect the Broncos to really beat the Seahawks that night. Another thing I'm looking forward to. Trey Lance's first full year as a starter. To me, he is so dynamic. He's so good. He has so much potential. It's just, how is he going to play this year? You know, get mixed reports from him. There's some days he looks really bad in practice. Some days he looks really good. Preseason games, he's looked good. So who knows what to expect, but I think Kyle Shanahan's going to put him in a spot to win. And he's the ultimate X factor from the San Francisco 49ers, because we know what we're getting from all the other positions. We know what we're getting from Elijah Mitchell, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, uh, Trent Williams, Nick Bosa, uh, Jimmy Ward. You know, we know what we're going to follow. Fred Warner, it's just a quarterback. So if their quarterback can have some success, watch out for the 49ers. And then also some Brady matchups. In particular, back-to-back weeks, we get to see Brady Rogers. Last year, didn't get to see that one in the calendar year, but we get to see Brady Rogers again. Let's see how many more matchups we have with him. Probably not many, but this will be a good one in Tampa. Packers, Bucks, 
Brady versus Rodgers, yet again. Two of the best quarterbacks in the league going at it. And then the following week, we get to see Mahomes versus Brady. Again, another big-time matchup. This will be the first time he played since the Super Bowl that Tom Brady won. Again, this shall be very interesting. Dynamic, you know, no Tyree Kill this time uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs. But Brady versus Mahomes. Brady has gotten the better of him. Let's see how they fare this year. Another thing I'm looking forward to, McVay versus Shanahan. I love this rivalry. I do. Shanahan had got the better of him six times in a row before the NFC Championship game last time. And it shows. Shanahan employs a much more physical style of offense, it seems like, against the Rams than anyone else in the league, and it seems to work. Rams come in high-flying, talk on the Rams, and the 49ers, you know, whoop up on them. And I think San Francisco and Shanahan are going to come out strong again against the Rams. So, yes, the McVay-Ram and McVay versus Shanahan chess match there from two head coaches. To me, that's the most exciting head coaching matchup in the NFL right now. It's Shanahan versus McVay. Uh Two young, talented coaches, very good, uh, that get to go up against each other twice a year. To me, that's the most exciting coaching matchup I get to see. Another question I'm looking forward to getting answered, how good is the Buffalo defense going to be? Last year, they were one of the best defenses in the league in a lot of categories, points, Yards allowed, uh, they were either 1-2 and two with the Patriots. Had one of the best defenses. Didn't lose much. We're going to get Tredavious White back this year. They signed Von Miller. How good can they be? Can they be better? Last year, Jordan Poyer and Hyde were all pro safeties. Can they replicate that? You know, to me, that's going to be a big indicator of success for the Bills. Is their defense. Then the Cincinnati Bengals. Cincinnati Bengals slide under the radar last year. They ended up winning the division, going to the Super Bowl, and nobody had them pegged to do that. Can the Bengals be even better this year? Another year of continuity with Jamar Chase and the offensive system with Joe Burrow. Better offensive line and been retooled, revamped. Can the Bengals be somehow even better this year? Another thing, who wins the NFC East? Like I said earlier, this is a division that has not had a repeat champion in 17 years since the Philadelphia Eagles with Andy Reid when they won four straight. Not one repeat champion in 17 years. That's unheard of. Can the Cowboys win back-to-back? Or do the Eagles ascend to the throne of this division? To me, these are clearly the two teams to beat in this division. Can Philadelphia reclaim the division title, or will Dallas win back-to-back years? And then last but not least, who surprises us? There's always that one team. Like I said last year, it was the Bengals. Flew under the radar and surprised us. Who will it be this year? Will it be the Miami Dolphins? Will they take a major leap with their new stars? Will it be the Denver Broncos, the Las Vegas Raiders? Or will it be a team that's you know, less good, like the Detroit Lions or the Minnesota Vikings. 
uh, perhaps a Colts or Titans, you know, who knows a team that, you know, we think can be good, but the potential to really make some noise and make a deep playoff run. All things that are exciting. And then ESPN came out with this article today on the NFL skills, you know, ranking the top 10 quarterbacks across the board uh, and all their metrics. I agree with a lot of them. Uh, You know, arm strength to me clearly goes to Josh Allen. He was one. Um, And you have some of the other great ones in there, Mahomes, Stafford, Rodgers. But I think, you know, we don't, you know, think of Tom Brady as this, you know, guy with this rocket arm uh, or something like that. But to me, Tom Brady has one of the best, you know, has amazing arm strength, you know, the factor that hit the deep ball, you know, hit the deep ball most accurately last year. But then also you look at some of his throws, uh, the one to Mike Evans in the playoff game uh, over Jalen Ramsey. You know, that one carried over 50 yards. To me, he can throw the ball very deep, still has arm strength. I don't think he gets enough credit for that. Accuracy, Aaron Rodgers is one. Uh, makes sense. He had the highest, second highest completion percentage, highest quarterback rating. Uh, I'm fine with Rodgers there. Tom Brady's at two, Joe Burrow three to me. Those are clearly in a league of their own when it comes to accuracy. Touch, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady is there at one. Uh, that's not just about uh, pass velocity or placement, but also how it gets there, dropping it into coverage. Uh, we know Aaron Rodgers doesn't throw a lot of interceptions. Tom Brady knows how to throw the ball perfectly. So it makes sense for those two guys to be right there at one. Mechanics is the throwing motion, release, and that's Tom Brady. Uh, he's one, couldn't agree more. Uh, there's a reason why he's played in the league so long, and part of that reason is because his mechanics are the best. So for him, number one, clear favorite, everybody else can go behind him. Field vision, Tom Brady's also one. When it comes to recognizing defensive schemes, coverages, calling plays out, there is no one like Tom Brady, able to dissect you at the line of scrimmage, motion, audible, call a different play, you know, do everything right before the ball is actually snapped. That's Tom Brady. That's such a big thing he brings to the game. Decision-making. Aaron Rodgers is long. I'll agree with that one because his 1.3% career interception rate. It's the best in NFL history. Uh, the fact that he throws four interceptions a year, five interceptions a year, and that's it, it's crazy where you have Matthew Stafford tripling that, Tom Brady Mahomes doubling that, uh, Aaron Rodgers, you know, you know his decision-making is great because it doesn't cause him interceptions. But, you know, to me it's also at a fault because uh, – with your decision-making, you don't tend to make that many risks. And sometimes you don't get those big uh, play, you know, payouts like the Tom Brady's do, the Patrick Mahomes do. So it's kind of at times a double-edged sword. Then the compete level. Competitiveness and leadership. Again, Tom Brady, 
yet again, his competitive drive is unlike anyone else's desire to win. His leadership, his command of the offense, also inspiring the defense. Not another quarterback like that, Tom Brady. Toughness, Josh Allen's there at one. Uh, and he's a man that gets hit a ton now. Uh, physicality, and he's a guy. He's a dude. I'm fine with Josh Allen at one. Pocket presence, let's give another number one to yet again, Tom Brady. Not the most mobile quarterback, but, you know, when he just has that sixth sense, he knows somebody is coming up to hit him, the calmness under duress. Tom Brady, yet again, is the best. His footwork in the pocket, uh, nobody like Tom Brady. Just can't say that enough. Scrambling, Lamar Jackson, again, that's all he does. Running back is a quarterback. Design runability, Lamar Jackson, number one. The Ravens designed so much runs for him uh, that that's kind of what he does and is known for. And those are your stats. Uh, great article put out there by ESPN. Tom Brady, number one in most of those categories, and deservedly so. Now moving on to the NBA. More news of Kevin Durant. I feel like every week, always something new dropped in with Kevin Durant. What today? The Memphis Grizzlies made an inquiry to the Brooklyn Nets. They can trade five draft picks, so that was mainly what they were inquiring about. Is the five draft picks enough? They don't want to include Jaron Jackson Jr. or Desmond Bain. So it looked like, you know, it would be five draft picks and Dylan Brooks and like a Steven Adams, Brandon Clark. Let me tell you this. I'm fine putting Dylan Brooks in there. I'm, but I'm more fine putting Desmond Bain in there. I don't want to lose Jaron Jackson Jr. Because he can play the five uh, as well. Defense, to me, it's really good. I don't want to lose that. Uh I'm fine losing Desmond Bain. If I'm getting Kevin Durant, I'm fine actually losing Dylan Brooks and Bain both. Uh, I'm fine having Job for one. Uh, I, I don't know who would be at the two, but you got Kevin Durant at the three, Jaron Jackson Jr. at the four. Uh, you still have a big three. Uh, and to me, you know, Dylan Brooks can have some great offensive games, but he doesn't get a ball like Kevin Durant does. Desmond Bain, really good, but to me, he should have been in uh, untouchable in a trade for Kevin Durant. I think if the Grizzlies make this trade, they're the favorite to win the West. Uh, John Morant, Kevin Durant, and Jaron Jackson Jr., that's a really good team. Or if you, you know, put a Jaron Jackson Jr. and you keep Bain, you know, you still got Job, Bain, and KD. So they got a lot of talent on that team. I make that trade up on the Grizzlies. I say, hey, uh, I don't think, you know, you have to think about this realistically, that Kevin Durant only has four more years left on his contract. And to me, that's how many good years he'll have left, elite-level years. So is my chances higher in the next four years if I acquire Kevin Durant? Yes. Is Desmond Bain going to be the player Kevin Durant is? No. No, no, no. It's very, very unlikely. You know, he's been great, but 
he he's not going to be a Kevin Durant type player. So if I'm the Grizzlies, I'm getting Kevin Durant banking on a higher percent chance winning a championship in the next four years compared to having my drafted core longer. Uh, but who knows if I won a championship with that core. Other news with Kevin Durant, Suns offered, you know, bridges plus draft picks. That gained no traction, I believe. So nobody wants bridges and draft picks for Kevin, especially Kevin Durant. Uh, Celtics still have some interest. They're still looming as a threat. Uh, to me, they can also put together a great um, uh, trade uh, centered around Jalen Brown. But it's becoming increasing every day that passes that the Nets just don't want to trade him. They run want to run it back with KD. So, you know, if you run it back with KD, again, what's his emotional state? You know, you know, is it great? I've touched on this before, but, you know, at this point, if he stays with the Nets, he requested a trade, and you know, we're still lingering thoughts. This team doesn't have the mental toughness to grind out an 82-game season. Another 20 games in the postseason, at least, you know, to win a championship. Again, keeping along with the Nets, Nets are keeping Kyrie Irving. They're informing teams. They're not going to accept any trades. That, that page is turned. Is that good? No, because... I'm glad Joe Sy and Marks want to keep Kyrie and Kevin Durant, but we haven't heard if Kyrie has mended fences with Steve Nash and the coaches. The man who held his own practices after Steve Nash ran through his own practice didn't show up to Steve Nash's and held some teammates back to do that. That's an undermining of your coach, your leader. That's not a good look. Nothing of what the Nets do is good uh, in how they handle things. Uh, They're really the circus show of the NBA, much like the Los Angeles Lakers of the West, Brooklyn Nets of the East. Got to have one uh, circus show on one side of the uh, coast. And that's what the Nets are. Uh, They're just a joke. You know, people can peg them as the NBA favorites, but they're not. They're not beating Giannis and the Bucks. Uh, the Celtics clearly showed that they were better in a four-game sweep. So, and I still like the Heat as well. So, are the Nets really going to do anything special if they keep these guys? No, no. What it does do, it gives them a chance to stay relevant, to have the media talk about them, for them to be featured on SportsCenter more if they keep Kevin Durant and Kyrie. That's all it's for. It's for nothing more. Now moving on to something that also made me sick this weekend when I heard that Urban Meyer was back on Fox Noon Kickoff. Now, to me, this is a joke. A joke, a joke, a joke, a joke. That Urban Meyer is back after all he has done in his illustrious career to jump. Great coach, you know, but as a person, not that great of a person. I don't know why Fox would want him back. It was already controversial. 
his first stint with Fox, but now it's even more controversial uh, because he doesn't have much when it comes to his moral character, his integrity, his honesty. Uh, Let's just start with his first stint with the Florida Gators, where he was subjected to a three-month investigation that uncovered proof of preferential treatment to certain players who he referred to as a circle of trust. Being part of this circle, Memphis Meyer would reportedly provide preferential treatment to you as a player, like hiding positive drug tests from the public. Wow, not much of moral integrity. Let's fast forward to 10 years later, Ohio State. What did he do? You know, placed on a, he was placed on administrative leave after allegations uh, spread about Meyer that he knew that his assistant coach, Zach Smith, uh, was abusing his spouse domestic violence. Meyer said he was unaware, but through the investigation, text messages revealed that that was a lie in Zach Smith's former wife knew about these allegations and texted Urban Meyer himself. So yet another strike on this man. Strike two. Strike two. Let's see if he gets a third. Oh, he does. He goes to Jacksonville this past year. Utter disaster. And what led to a lawsuit from his own players, his own players alleging workplace violence, assault, and battery. Yes. What he did with the Jacksonville Jaguars, his dysfunctional stint, was caught on video in a bar enjoying the company of a woman grinding up on him who wasn't his wife. What else did he do? He kicked his kicker during pregame warm-ups. Kicked his own kicker. The irony of that. And then he called his assistant coaches losers on multiple occasions. How does this man still have a job? Uh, You know... One strike, two strikes, but three strikes? And you get back to your same position after all that. After all that, to me, it's a joke. Most people, you know, that we see now don't get second chances we are in the media. They do something like that, you never hear of them again. But three times, and you still get your nice, cushy job back talking about football? Guess what? I'm not ever turning in to a Fox Noon kickoff to hear Urban Meyer, that sick, disgusting human being, talk about football. I will turn on ESPN and their game day crew with respectable people who know what they're talking about. Not somebody like Urban Meyer who's two-faced, who is, you know, called his own coach's losers. But he's really the loser. He really is. I'm not tuning into that. Nobody should be tuning into that and wanting to hear what Urban Meyer has to say about anything. His opinion isn't relevant. I don't want to hear from him. And I think a majority of people really don't want to see Urban Meyer again uh, after what happened to him on a national football level. Didn't even finish the remaining of the contract. Didn't even finish the year off, you know, 
And now you have players are so thankful that a new coach is under Doug Peterson, who they say gets they're treated like adults, they're treated the right way. Urban Meyer, prime example of, you know, who does not follow the rule, the golden rule. Treat others the way you want to be treated. Urban Meyer doesn't apply to him in his life. Don't want to hear anything Urban Meyer has to say. Now I'm going to finish off with two more things. First, Mets-Yankees tonight, Subway Series. Not usually big news, but big news because the Mets and Yankees are doing so well. Uh, Mets won the first part of the Subway Series. They swept uh, the Yankees earlier this season. That was in Queens. Now they're in the Bronx, but the Yankees have been sliding recently. Haven't looked good. Three and seven, just lost three out of four to the Blue Jays. And they get to face Max Scherzer tonight and Jacob DeGrom tomorrow night, two of the best pitchers in the league. All I have to say is to New York, good luck, because I've got the Mets really winning these two games starting tonight. And then last but not least, the Tour Championship final event of the PGA season is underway to crown who is the winner this season on the PGA final leg of the PGA playoffs. 30 players remain. Of course, I'm pulling for McElroy, but to me, I just don't see it. I, I say Scotty Scheffler is going to win the Tour Championship and be crowned as the best player of the year. Uh, I think Cam Smith has a shot, but when he withdrew from a BMW this past week, all the live allegations, and we'll see if that's true probably um, next week after this tournament uh, to see if that's really true with Cam Smith. But what's surrounding him, I think that's proving a distraction. Again, Rory McIlroy has played really good. He just hasn't been winning the big tournaments. You know, you can always throw in a Morikawa, a Spieth, a Cam Young's played good. But Scotty Shuffler's done it this season. That's got Scotty Shuffler doing it this one. And it's especially great, too, because PGA Tour 2K23 announced today trailer Tiger Woods is back. Playing as Tiger Woods, that's going to be exciting uh, to have that again since it's been 10 years since you've been able to play as Tiger Woods in a golf game. So I'm excited. I'm excited for the end of this PGA Tour season. Uh because you have this final event coming up Thursday to Saturday. But then the following Friday, you have the next live event taking place. So, again, there's been a couple of announcements, usually every week, who defects. Next week, I think, is going to prove to be the most pivotal week after this tour championship. And there's really a lull in PGA events. And then you've got the live picking up. Uh, that's also going to be a major topic. That's not going away. Uh, it's going to be exciting. PJ Tour versus Live. It is ongoing. This has been Unbothered. Hope you all have a great day. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye, everybody.